This is the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. So ace, ace, absolutely nothing the Belgian could do about it. And after an hour and 40 minutes on court, it is championship point to Daniel Medvedev. He doesn't wait for the crowd to settle. He reaches up and serves. He aces! What a way to finish off the match. There isn't a smile as of yet, but Daniel Medvedev is a Masters winner. He has reigned supreme in Cincinnati. The biggest final, the biggest title of his career. He'll be world number five on Monday. Daniel Medvedev keeps on going. His 44th win of the year, his biggest title of his career. Medvedev's a winner. 7-6, Daniel, many congratulations. Three finals in a row, and now you've achieved that first Masters 1000 title. How good does this feel right now? Uh, it's amazing. I mean, uh, I need to say I have no... Uh, no power, I'm so exhausted to celebrate. Like, if you would ask me before the tournament, uh, what would I do if I win the tournament? I would say I would have uh, fall down on the court, uh, scream like crazy. And finally, when I made this last ace, I had no power to even say one word. So I just went to the net and I was like, okay, it's finished, I won it. And uh, especially it feels good after losing, uh, I think three finals in a row, four finals this year, winning only one to win a Masters 1000 is amazing. And a quick word on, on David, of course, he's had such a wonderful week and uh, you really had to be at your best to beat him today, didn't you? Yeah, David is a really tough player to play. I think he's a, a little bit up and down, can be, and that's actually tough because when he's playing at his best, it's so tough to win a point against him and that's what happened during the match. There were some, some moments in the match where uh, I just couldn't do anything. And, uh, well, I got the uh, first time in three weeks, I got frustrated with myself a few times, but... I mean, I'm so happy that I managed to keep my focus uh, as much as I could and win the match. And you're going to be up into a world ranking of the, into the top five uh, the, this next week. Is, things are looking good as you look ahead to the US Open. A well-earned break, I'm sure, before that. Yeah, I mean, it's an amazing uh, achievement for me because uh, it's been like one month and a half that I'm in top ten, if not less, and uh, <laughs> making three finals in a row to uh, one winner of a Masters. And I mean, being top five in the world is something I could uh, only dream of and uh, I mean I want to continue I don't want to stop first time Masters champion Daniel Medvedev welcome to the ATP tennis radio podcast reflecting on another great week of Masters tennis and it is all about Naomi Cavaday Daniel Medvedev and it hasn't just been all about him this week it's through this US Open series and if you look at his year 44 wins for the season he's got two titles this year and he's a new world number five. And it was third time lucky to get that <laughs> title in terms of this little run that he's been on, making uh, three back-to-back -back finals, finally getting over the line. He was so, so tired, wasn't he, <laughs> through that final. But he's just got a way of pushing through it. Winning has become a habit for him. He's so dangerous, as you say, into the top five, thoroughly deserved. He's been one of the most consistent players out there now, picking up Masters titles. That I'm sure that will be the first of many. One of his ways, it seems to do, with tiredness is to blast down the second serve in the final 
today against David Goffin. We saw 123 mile per hour second serve out wide. Yeah, he just kept doing it, didn't he, really? It was almost a surprise when he put in a normal looking second serve with a bit of kick and spin. He was just thumping it like his first serve. The numbers on serve were absolutely outstanding. He didn't lose a point on his serve in the second set until he was serving for the match. That's the level of pressure that Goffin was under. Goffin is a good returner. He's not somebody who struggles on return. It was a phenomenal display from him and it actually just really helped him out. It shortened up the points so he could just get over the line quicker. His matches in general through this US Open series have been very efficient. So he is just going from strength to strength. It was uh, such fun. We commentated together his semi-final when he defeated Novak Djokovic, winning 10 of the last 13 games. And then today, the final against David Goffin, looking to get revenge for the Wimbledon defeat earlier this year. He is a player, though, Daniel Medvedev, that just scrambles your mind. He does. He's infuriating and it's just so difficult to play against him. And we can see so many players, they just don't know what to do. And once you think you figured it out, as it looked like Djokovic had, he then starts slamming down these second serves with such great consistency. You think, how is this guy doing it? On every big point, he manages to, to pull it out of the bag. But he's somebody that likes to draw the error from his opponent. He makes life awkward, uncomfortable. He just has a knack of finding the most difficult position for you to be in off of each individual shot and uh, I mean just take a look at that backhand he can redirect with ease there's so many great things about his game but it is a very tricky one for players to work out because his sort of game which is relatively consistent it's kind of a, a, a mid-range baseline it's not a particularly aggressive baseline style of tennis is a game style that you would associate with the smaller guys, with the quicker guys, with somebody like a Djokovic. This guy, Medvedev, is six foot six, has a huge serve on top of having a very consistent and hard working game that is just so tough to break through. You almost don't know how you're going to get it past him. He hit two unforced errors in the second set, just moving Goffran from corner to corner. I mean, I can't praise him enough, but this is interesting for the ATP, for the top three as well, because it's different. We've not seen a guy this tall with the weapons that he possesses also have the movement and consistency of some of the, the best baseliners around, like a Djokovic. The weakness you felt maybe 18 months to two years ago could be the temperament because he was exploding on court and then the game would dip and he was getting into trouble. And there were some instances and I'm sure he, he wishes hadn't taken place, but that's gone. He's been seeing it. Gilles Savara, his coach, has spoken about on ATP Tennis Radio. He's been working with a sports psychologist. And I think the other thing added to that, and yes, he's married and his, his wife was there today, but he's also, he's just hes just growing up. He's just maturing. He's, he's still only 23 years of age. He is maturing, and it's something that he's talked about as well, but I think it's so easy to underestimate what that actually means. The turnaround in his attitude, like you were saying, its it's extraordinary. He looked like he was going to boil over at one point in the match and we were thinking hold tight but he didn't he reined it back in he got it back together and he worked it out and that's what he did against Djokovic as well as I say it, it is so impressive that he has really made a dramatic change to his attitude his behaviors on the court and he's reaping the rewards from that and yes it's maturing but you also have to make it happen. You can't just sit around waiting saying, oh, well, hopefully I mature in the next year. That's, that's not <laughs> how it works. He has gone away, he's worked on it, he's worked incredibly hard on it, and he's having great success. Champion in Cincinnati, and, and for David Goff, an obvious disappointment. He came as the world number 19, he leaves at the 
as the world number 15. It was his first Masters final. Look, 2017 was his season best and there was the Tour Finals. 2018, there were some unfortunate, almost freak injuries that he suffered. But you feel like he's getting back to his best. And I know there'll be the argument of, oh, but the bottom half of the draw was decimated. There was nobody there. And then his quarter-final opponent, Yoshihito Nishioka, got food poisoning and then hadn't faced a top 20 player in, until the final. But still, he had to beat what was in front of him. He did that. So plenty of positives for Goffin to take away from Cincinnati. Yeah, sometimes you need a little bit of a breakthrough. That's that's how sport works. And for Goffin, he has been at such a high level before and he's had a bit of a difficult time and he's been getting things back on track. But he's done really well since pretty much the beginning of the grass court season, pushing Federer to the, well, going, getting to the final of Halle, pushing Federer in that match and, and winning lots of matches himself. So he has been really feeling pretty good of late and I think we will I mean his rankings taking a big jump up now yeah. we will see him back up uh, where he belongs that's for sure but look in that section we thought it was wide open but how many times do we think it's wide open and then the one guy <laughs> who has any sort of experience that is of a similar level he's not been to a Masters uh, final before but he has been to the final of the ATP Tour finals mm -hmm. uh, so that is a huge match he's been on these sorts of stages he's been in four semi-finals before not able to get through to the final so he was the one guy in that bottom half that really had that level of experience and could draw upon and it's no surprise he was the one that came through Highlights for you. I'm, I'm guessing one highlight will be the final and seeing Medvedev claim this crown, this first. These are the jewel in the ATP crown, the, the Masters titles, and Medvedev has, has got one of those. But other highlights from the week for you? I've got two. Am I allowed two? You, can, you are highlights. Okay. This, this oh, brilliant. <laughs> what a luxury. Well, my one is, is the Russian march, I think, with the three Russians doing Lovely. incredibly well through the tournament. That was really fun to see. Um, we know about Hashanov already taken a Masters title back end of last year. Now Medvedev has, that's two out of the three. What about Andre Rublev, who is sneaking his way back and uh, really getting back to where he belongs? It's been a long, long road. He came through qualifying before reaching the quarterfinals. So for me, those three, how well they interact with each other, how much they push each other, that's really exciting for the future. So it's important that Rublev is back in the mix now. I think they're all happy that he is until he beats them. <laughs> but uh, that is great to have that little competitive section and the other one again keeping the sort of similar nationality theme is the Nishioka victory over Nishikori of course one of his absolute heroes the Japanese number two beating the Japanese number one uh, he would have looked up to Nishikori throughout his entire life his entire career uh, and able to get that victory and that was a, a special moment so I was waiting for Andy Murray to be one of your highlights, returning wow. to the singles court. What happened there? I was leaving it for you. <laughs> you were leaving well, me. I was going to wait to see what you're leaving me are. a highlight. Andy Murray back in action hey. as well. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, he's been back for a while now, but just playing doubles. Is so. it old news then? So no, we're, it's we're, not old news. <laughs> uh, having said Andy Murray as well, that that doubles is doubles is done for now. It's time to to sort of refocus on the singles and, and see what's possible there. So, yeah, massive positive. And for me, the other one would have been uh, the Russians, but particularly Andrei Rublev. Uh, yeah. he, he was the original number one Russian of the three and then the, then the injuries, and he forgot to sign in for qualifying. I mean, again, it's the things that you don't think about having never played the game, all the things you've got to remember to do. And he got in as a, an alternate, and this is where his story ended. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Almost one of those sliding door moments. I, I think he would have got back to where he was. He's still young enough, but it, it's been tough for him, isn't it? It's been a really hard road. He, you can't just walk back into it, and it probably makes him appreciate really what he achieved the first time around. 
Still so young, great to see him back playing and Andy Murray as well. And Rublev beating Roger Federer in 58 minutes. Yeah, Who does cool. that? That was good. 58 minutes. So as you can tell, there are actually plenty of highlights. And also want to say congratulations to Ivan Dodig and Philip Polasek, the unseeded pairing who came through against the, the top seeds today, Juan Sebastian Cabal and, and Robert Farah. And the Polasek is one of these these amazing stories, comeback stories of being a really good solid doubles player and being beset with injuries and five years away and, and then going into coaching and, and returning to the tour. And now, Naomi, a Masters champion on the doubles court with even Dodig. Amazing, isn't it? I really did not expect them to win the title through the tournament. They came up against Jamie Murray and Neil Skupski and they had just started to bond really well after we had the Murray brother face-off. Yes, we did. Jamie against Andy. How could we forget about that as well? So they just nicked that one in a third set break and I thought they were going to go on a really good run there, but stopped by uh, Dodig and Polasek and well-deserved. We're still going on with our highlights, aren't we? Uh, plenty, plenty of highlights. There's a really lovely interview with Philip Polasek, which Mike Cation did, and that is on our exclusive channel. So if you haven't heard about it, it's the ATP Tennis Radio exclusives channel that you can find on the TuneIn platform. And the really good thing about that channel, you hear from lots of players, which is great, but also the coaches. And some of those interviews are so interesting because we get to sit down with them and can spend some 20, 30, 40 minutes through the tournament throughout the year. So do have a listen have a look at that and then have a listen to those interviews. Naomi, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Enjoyed the week? Yeah, it's been great. Ready for more tennis? I can't wait. Lovely. Excellent stuff. So the ATP Exclusives channel is the place to go for all these interviews. And it's not just interviews this week. Now, we're going to hear a selection, largely 99% from Cincinnati. And that has been the work of Mike Cation. But the week before in Montreal, it was former WTA player Jill Kravis, who was feet on the ground gathering up the content. And she got to spend some time with the coach of Daniel Medvedev, Gilles Savara. Gilles, thank you so much for joining us on ATP Tennis Radio. It's a pleasure for me. Um, now, you know, we were just we were talking a little bit um, off air about because I actually saw I hadn't seen much of Daniel until last year, and I watched in Toronto. And the one thing that stood out to me that he's improved so much on is just his his demeanor on the court. Because I remember watching him in Toronto last year. He's distracted, sometimes got irritated with some things, but now he's super focused. Is that something that you've been working on in particular? Yes, yes, uh, of course uh, we are working on it. I mean, not me directly with him, uh, yeah, directly on the court with him, but because I, he works with a person who make him work on all this stuff, you know, uh, as a person uh, and as a, as a, a player to be able to, 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 to keep his concentration on the court and not to get crazy because of uh, anything. Uh, I mean, it's a long process, it's a daily process to, to, to improve this and to be able to, to fight and uh, uh, staying stable uh, no matter what happens on the court because you can have uh, many excuses or many reasons to, 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 to lose your concentration or to lose your mind on the court uh, and also when you lose your man on the court, like he could do it before, it talks about yourself also. So it's a personal work, I want to say. So you mean he talks about himself, or yeah, I mean, mean when players or people has this problem uh, on the court, when you see them uh, uh, being distracted or losing their concentration, as Daniel did uh, in the past or sometimes, it talks about himself, you know, on the person. And uh, that's why competition is uh, a good work on yourself. 
And and so does he work with a, a sports psychologist or is it a friend of his or who uh, in yeah, particular? It's, uh, let's say sports psychologist. We can say we can call this like this. Uh, it's easier maybe to, for people to understand. Uh, yes, since uh, since almost two years is is working with uh, this person. And and are there certain things that you feel like have worked the best for him that the sports psychologist has said and. If I know what exactly? Yeah. Uh, no, anyway, I couldn't say it on the on the radio, of course, because it's uh, his own work. Uh, but uh, of course, it's as I say, it's 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 his process, it's his working process. So uh, I guess he's uh, doing well. Uh, he understands things, and this person and their work together make him makes him improving as a person and so as a as a as a player on the court. What in in particular, when you first met Danielle, impressed you the most about him? Tough to say. Was that I, what I, year I was met, that, look, by the way? First of all, uh, I met Daniel uh, five years ago, when he came uh, in the center uh, I work, uh, center in south of France that I create with Jean René Lisnar, and four, five years ago he arrived in the cl- in this center in the club, and I didn't realize that he was a tennis player. Because uh, he was uh, tall, uh, <laughs> younger, so younger, you can imagine, uh, with no physical preparation, so he didn't look uh, as a tennis player. And uh, what I was surprised, at this moment, I didn't know him very well, so I couldn't see him, and I did, I didn't follow him at this moment. I start, I started to travel with him in 2016. I mean, we we made a long road already because uh, it was uh, totally out of work. Uh, everything has to be to be built with him. And then, and besides, um, you know, working on his mind with the sports psychologist, what what in his tennis do you feel like has has improved the most, and that you've been working on? That what were your goals from the beginning? First of all, when I see this tournament. Uh, I'm very satisfied about the serve because uh, with his uh, with his tall, uh, for me it was uh, so important that he could uh, serve well uh, as he's doing now. Because uh, uh, like even one year ago, uh, if you remember Toronto, he was not serving so well. Uh, he didn't w- he didn't win so many points with the serve, and uh, since one year exactly he started to 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 improve his serve and winning many points with his serve it's a great weapon now but before uh, this before one year i mean one year ago it was not like this so this part of this game his offensive part uh, is physical also uh, so 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 big improvement it was a main part of the of the work I mean, we work on on many different uh, things, uh, and we can see that he improved in uh, all all of them. This is my opinion, but where a player gets a lot of confidence in that serve, and it helps the rest of their game. Ah, yes. Do you feel yeah. that? Uh, yes, I think I think yes. When you you when you feel that uh, you 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 have easy easy service game, then you can you can have more confidence to to. To, to, to do things, some things uh, from baseline and stuff like this, um, and especially because also Daniel is very good from baseline, so it gives him a lot of confidence to to all this game. You know. Tell me if I'm wrong, but I read also that you work a lot with him on on staying more in the present moment. What I want to say it's 
if the work is 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 uh, well done then you stay in the present and you have to uh, i mean that's a key to to play your best and to win it's uh, if your mind start to 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 go a, bit, a little bit for, uh, further that's how you say yep. then you have to 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 catch it and to 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 let it come back because uh, if you have uh, advance in your head, then you're not in the present anymore and uh, you can have a big problem. So work, working on the practice court, on, on those specific things? Really I would not say specific things on this, but it's part, anyway, it's part of the, of the, of the, of the work, yeah. And when I spoke to him a couple days ago, he mentioned that, you know, he, what was really changed for him recently is, is his dedication more to the sport. Can you can you talk about what has changed for him to become more dedicated? What that entails? I remember two years ago in Montreal. In Montreal also, uh, he lost first round, and we were uh, driving back to to the airport. And uh, he said, "You know, Gilles, maybe I'm not like this. I'm not like this." And I said to him, "Look, Daniel, what I think is <laughs> your top hundred, and uh, if you want to stay in this good life, uh, you will have to win." And I know that when you start to be in this life and you like this life you will do everything you can to win and uh, I guess it's what happened I mean I think he didn't he didn't fight for this uh, I mean he didn't fight uh, like uh, you know uh, it was natural I think it's, it was just natural I didn't have to, to push him to, to work or uh, to be professional it's just uh, he did it because uh, uh, I think we did we did it and we do it in the in the good way to 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 be done for him. And I want to say, of course, congratulations on getting into the top ten for him yeah. in the last month. Um, that that was a great feeling for him. He mentioned. I mean, what was that what was that moment like for you? Uh, I think we had the same feeling because uh, he, I heard that that he was happy, but. It was not something amazing, and for me as well, it was not something amazing. First of all, because we knew that uh, he, he became uh, top 10 after Wimbledon, so after he lost against Goffin, and it was a difficult match for us to uh, to accept. Uh, he lost 7-5 in the fifth. So, you know, you get in top 10, but not with a winning match. So it's different also. Then it's top 10, but it's during the season. At the end of the season, it's another thing, another step. Uh, and then also because, okay, top 10, but the, the road never ends. So we are focused on the work and what we have to do. So we, we, we want more and more and more and more and more. Uh, that's why maybe we, we don't do a big uh, big thing about, about this, but of course we are, we, we are happy uh, of, of it. You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. It's an honor for me to be joined on ATP Tennis Radio by Thomas Johansson, 2002 Australian Open champion, of course, and coach of David Goffin, who is into his first career Masters Series final. And I'm sure that has to feel really good. You guys have been putting in a lot of work since reforming at Indian Wells this year. Yes, it's, uh, it's so much fun. Um, I'm really, really proud of him, and uh, especially... The way he played today, I think he was uh, rock solid from, from the start. And also how he finished the match with the, the last service game. So um, no, I'm, I'm extremely satisfied with, uh, you know, with his improvement because when we started in Indian Wells, we had a rough start. Um, he, uh, he didn't play uh, as well as he normally does. Uh, so we made 
a couple of you know s small changes and and um, I think the good thing was that I, I had been working with him before we worked together in 2016 so we we know each other really well so we didn't need this time to get to know each other you know from the from the start so um, and um, we we sat down and we said you know this is the the path we want to take and then we just uh, had have to stay committed to it Listen to your interview you did with ATP Tennis Radio's Jill Kravis last week. And you talked about the consistency of service games from day to day, from match to match. And I'm wondering what you think of how he has performed so far this week. Well, in the beginning of the week, um, he was very up and down. Um, he, uh, he was mixing great service games with uh, some, some bad ones. Um, but I, I think that it comes comes a little bit with confidence uh, so after I would say after this the second round match uh, since then he's been he's been serving quite solid uh, David is is never going to be a guy with a with a huge serve but he, he will be a guy with a solid serve uh, that you know he hits his target he sets up the point to um, to be able to, to strike first after the serve and I think that he did really well today and also, you know, the previous matches. So, uh, but we, we continue to work on the serve to, to get more uh, variety, to get more consistency and also to get a little bit more uh, speed, especially in the second serve. Is he a guy who does build confidence as the week progresses? Yes, he's very much a guy like that. Um, he, uh, you, you could, I think everybody could see that today, especially in the last service game. He, he goes out and he, he holds quite comf comfortable um, but I, I want him to be more confident on a daily basis you know I, I want him to be confident in each and every match he plays uh, because he's, he's, he's such a good player and and when he's on and when he's moving well he can you know he can fight with the big boys it's fascinating you say that again I went back and listened to that interview this morning that you did last week and you said uh, the question she asked was uh, about uh, Djokovic and just how he needed to be in those moments just a little bit more. Yes. And now he's got an opportunity here for a Masters Series final. Just that opportunity now to be in there one more time. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I completely agree with what you're saying. You know, for Novak and, and Rafa and Roger to be in a semifinal in a slam, for them, it's normal. Uh, for David to be in a semifinal in a slam or a final in the Masters, you know, in a thousand event, is, is massive uh, so we just need to try to you know to get here uh, more times and get you know try to get used to the situation because these guys that I just mentioned they don't get nervous they don't get tight uh, when they they play in front of a packed stadium in a semi-final or a final of a slam for them it's normal is it something you can actually teach or does it have to be through experience I think that both, I mean, I, I think you can you can learn a little bit, but uh, by listening to people that actually have have been there. But I think you need to experience it because you you don't know how you react in certain situations, and you know practice is one thing. Going out and serve for the match in the semifinal of a slam is something else. To that regard, this was his fifth Master Series semifinal. Um, how did he celebrate in the locker room, if you don't mind my asking, <laughs> reaching his first final? No, we're, we're not done yet. Um, I, I think that he still, uh, you know, he, he has a, a, a good chance. Uh, Medvedev is probably the hottest guy on the tour right now with all the, the wins that he's had. So we face a very, very tough um, 
tough opponent, but I think we are both, you know, enjoying. We try to enjoy every win. Uh, we try not to talk about the next match uh, until the next day. So, uh, and that I think is important. You need to enjoy. You need to enjoy your wins. You need to enjoy your performances. Uh, and then, you know, reset and then go again next day. Big picture-wise, the media, we spend so much time talking about the big three. We spend so much time talking about that next gen, who's going to be the next guy to be up there. This was a, a fantastic match thinking about a couple of guys who have been through the wars over the last couple of years and, and an opportunity for for young young charge to shine has to feel incredibly rewarding. Yes, uh, like you said, you, you, there there are a lot of talks about the, you know the big three and the, the next generation. But what about the middle generation? And and David for me is is one of the guys in the middle generation. I mean he's he's 28 years old. He he should be. Or he is in his peak of his career, so he has the best years in front of him. So, um, and that's why I'm, I'm very, very happy to see that um, you know that he has a chance for a, a massive title. Thank you so much for your time. Greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. All right, happy to be joined by Andre Rublev. An opportunity to actually get to sit down with you for a couple of minutes uh, in, in the player lounge. Thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. For uh, we're, we're following up an opportunity where you just had to get some free cheese. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that seems like a pretty good interview uh, to yeah. get a to get a part of. Yeah, it was fun. It was something new, new experience. So it was good. <laughs> Um, you obviously had a, have had some physical battles over the last year and a half. Uh, last year, the stress fracture in your back, wrist this year. How is your body holding up now through uh, the last couple of months? Uh, no, I mean, I'm afraid to see something, but <laughs> for the moment, everything is perfect, and hopefully everything is going to be perfect. Yeah, the last year I had stress fracture in my lower back. I was a little bit unlucky. This year I had fracture in my wrist where I was stupid, so it's different part but now everything recovered and everything is good physically i feel good so just work 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 and we'll see why do you say stupid because it's stupid <laughs> um how, how have you worked to try and prevent those types of things um from happening once again especially the back which can be such yeah. a tricky one yeah that's true i mean we i was doing really a lot of fitness on my back to get stronger and uh, lower I mean some small muscles and uh, just in general to build some muscle, muscles around my lower back so we were doing all this kind of exercise uh, quite a lot and now everything is looks perfect especially I mean there is also one thing when you break the bone when it's healed mm -hmm. it's like a double stronger so which is also good and uh, yeah so basically it's to be more professional to to take care more of your body outside the court to work properly in the fitness and because yeah in the end in every sport the the body is one of the main things because if you want to play long you have to be ready physically uh, have you added to your team at all in terms of uh, doing more with a strength and conditioning coach anything along those lines Last year, finally, I complete like let's say all the teams. So I have uh, a physio, I have a fitness coach. That finally everything works like we're like a complete uh, detail, and uh, so everything is I don't know start to work in a good way. I think because I can feel my body is better. It's, I'm moving faster. So basically, we're hopefully moving in the right way and.
we'll see. But every day I have to I have to improve every day. I have to work, and this is the main goal. Where do you think your game has improved the most in the last, say, two years? Has it been more on the physical side or much more on the mental side? Uh, let's say if you take, let's say let's I give you an example. Between 2017 when I win my first title mm-hmm. and uh, till the now the moment when I used to miss a couple of turns because of the injury. Uh, for example, 2017, most of the times I was winning only with the shots. So I was going for the shots, I was hitting for the shots. And if, let's say, I was playing against some guy who is really great physically and it's tough to beat him only with the shots, then there was n- almost no chance for me because I didn't, I couldn't do, I, I couldn't show him something different. So when these things was working, that I was killing with the shots, then perfect, it was my match. But as soon as I was not feeling good mm-hmm. or a little less confident or the guy was who is smart enough and he knows where to be and he, he's quite fast, then there was no match for me. And if you take now, that uh, now I start to win even when I'm playing really bad tennis. I start to win only because more or less playing in a better, a little bit more smarter than in the past. I'm not saying that there's still things to improve to play even more smarter, but at least it's a little bit smarter than before. And uh, because I start to be more faster, I start to feel better physically. Physically, uh, I start to yeah, I start to win matches uh, with a, even with a bad game because I move better, I catch the balls better, I defend better, and in the end, when the guy is a little bit more tight or he's not feeling also well, he starts to miss, miss, and sometimes I don't really do nothing, just only focus to don't miss, and and sometimes this is enough to win. So where, is good. where do you give the credit to? I mean, how much is that is yours? How much is uh, Fernando working no, with you? For, yeah, it's Fernando uh, for sure, because every time, I mean, Fernando, Gallo, uh, the one more coach, Abraham, was always telling me that... Uh, in, you need to know how to win even when you're playing bad because all these top guys like Rafa, Djokovic, even if they're having really, really, let's say, bad level for them, mm-hmm. even this bad level of the, for them, it's with this bad level, they always do quarterfinal minimum. Just playing inside the wall, running, just doesn't matter. But it's, this is enough to be quarterfinal minimum, mm-hmm. So which is... And it's amazing because this is you can be always quite confident. Even if you don't feel good, you have enough level to still to to go far on tournaments. And this is I think this is really amazing. I mean, for for them that's why they are one of the. I mean, that's why they are greatest. And I mean, this is yeah, it's a long way. And but yeah, this is for sure. Uh, I need to say thanks to my team. Uh, Mike Cation here with Andre Rublev for just a couple more minutes. Uh, Fernando Vicente, as we mentioned, the coach. Um, what is the what has he worked with on you technically uh, to get you a little bit better here through this year, reaching a final just a couple months ago? I mean, if you take exactly the technique, mm-hmm. then not much because even since when I come, my technique was always more or less good. I was, I was having quite uh, how to say. No, I mean not bad technique. I mean quite good. It looks like I play. I hit the ball easy, so there was not problem in the shots. I always had like a good shot. The problem was always 
physical, tactical, and mm. mental. So uh, he worked more on these two. So in the end, the shots, I don't know, I, I get a little bit lucky with this. So when I, if, <laughs> yeah, the shots I always. I, uh, how far off do you think you are uh, right now? Obviously, two two Russian players inside the top ten. How far off do you think you are from joining them? I mean, it's uh, it's a tough question because I'm not really how you say. I mean, let's put it in a way like I'm not really focused where I mean where they are. I mean they mm-hmm. are doing well and it's amazing. Where I mean we're friends since young age. But it's not like I'm trying to, how you say, like, oh, they are top 10, what I need, how, what the difference between us, I I don't know, I'm not really focused on this because I know I have to focus on my things to improve and then it's, I mean, you never know, it's one week change everything and uh, if you do one week good, it's going to be like already top 40, if you do one more week better, it's like top 20 and then it's three weeks or one month and everything changed so in the end uh, in the end it's more about me how how hard I need to to work in a good way to take care of my body to to be strong mentally and uh, so it's all about this and I need to focus on this inside the court and outside the court and uh, and in the end we'll see what's going to happen yeah i certainly don't mean to have you compare yourself to them as more as uh do you do you see it and say i i i know these guys so well and it's a good motivation yeah this is this is definitely because uh, i can tell you more it's not only about them it's about uh sashi's how many years is top 10 Mm. then now karen daniel tsitsipas all these guys they're top 10 or top 20 and i mean i just play with them like even last year with some of them even this year and I know that uh, I mean my level is good enough to compete with them so this means that if they are there so I have also if I do everything in a good way in a in a focus I focus and I do everything in a purple I mean in the right way that I also will have chance to be there because yeah we play all the all the all the time together even now when I practice I feel that I can compete with them it's not like uh, I have no chances you know when I play them I feel okay maybe they're better they they will beat me but it will be still fight it's gonna be good match it's not like I go there like let's say against some top player and sometimes you feel no it's I will be lucky if I do if I win four games in one set, you know. So it's not like this, and this is good actually. That means that it's all about to do everything right and to be patient. Well, Andre, uh, we are here in Cincinnati, and uh, I was in a shuttle with you on Friday night. Uh, you, you were one of the guys who was last in, um, and, and then immediately able to turn around and, and I think a little bit of a lucky break, getting a, a two-one victory <laughs> in your first. But uh, what's it like to make that last-second trip and, and then be able to qualify here in Cincinnati? Uh, I mean, I tell you the the beginning of the story. I was in Hamburg playing my second round. I mean, just 20, 20 minutes an hour, or half an hour before to play my second round, I got a message that I forgot to sign for Montreal Quali and Cincinnati Quali. Oh, my gosh. And I couldn't believe, because in my head, I was, I'm sure I did everything right, and I'm sure that I signed. And in the end, I checked, and I was not there. And I couldn't believe <laughs> that it was only for main draw. And I, 
and I was like completely pissed with myself and I have to go to play. So it was first set, I was not even focused on the match, but and then somehow I win the match and I did well on the tournament. Yes. And I say, okay, we'll see. I go there, I sign if I get in, perfect. If I don't get in, uh, I practice. So in the end, I arrive Montreal first week, I sign. They tell me, no, I don't get in. So they told me you have to come back Saturday, one hour before the matches to sign, and we'll see. <laughs> so I did it, and in the end, somehow, Anderson pulled out in the last moment, and they move Hurkacz because he was number one in quality. They move yeah. him to Mendro, and I get in like a, like uh, like a alternate, and and uh, and uh, so in the end I play Montreal, and the same thing happened here, but here it was a little bit better because <laughs> they told me already Friday that I got in, and. So I and I, when I was flying, I say, okay, I fly. If I don't get in, I practice one week, and uh, and that's it. And in the end, uh, I got in, and so in the end, everything is perfect. And now <laughs> I pass quali. So in the end, yeah, I completely lucky. It's nice to play with a little bit of freedom in that regard that you you don't have to worry almost. I mean, no, it's tough because you're stressed. <laughs> these days, you're completely stressed if you're gonna play or not, and. I mean, but I'm so lucky, I can tell you. You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Available on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn and ATPTour.com. Well, a couple of moments here that we get to spend with Pepe Vendrell, coach of Roberto Batista Agut. Thank you so much for your time. Greatly appreciate it today. Thank you so much. This week in Cincinnati, uh, you, you look at the draw, comes out Hukac, Tiafo, Kitsmanovic. Mm-hmm three of the up-and-coming players here on a tour, on the ATP tour, and it seems like it was a pretty good week so far. It's how, how well has he been playing this week? Well, um, we had uh, two first days uh, with a lot of difficulties because uh, we play in Montreal uh, and we come here uh, last uh, Sunday night, and the, the time uh, wasn't uh, that uh, US, you, you need to, to play your, your best game. But I think uh, he compete uh, that those days uh, with a, a great spirit, and uh, step by step, uh, the game, his game, is is coming. No, with the time, with the, the matches, and uh, with the time on court. What do you do as a coach to help him prepare for some of these younger players, knowing that they may be a little bit up and down with their emotions and and mental level? Yeah. Uh, we, we we try to to focus uh, the matches uh, in the same way no? uh, we know that uh, we are very stable on court and we we try to take advantage of, of this uh, situation obviously uh, these guys uh, have uh, an amazing game but uh, sometimes uh, they have uh, distractions on court and we we try to to, to put pressure in that moment and um, I think uh, they need uh, a little bit more time, more years on the tour to, to achieve uh, this uh, stable uh, level but uh, we, we try to, to push uh, hard uh, in these moments. Has he always been this consistent? Yes, uh, we, our culture in Spain is uh, to to very respect every every day and uh, 
I think uh, it's uh, one of the, the best secrets of the Spanish uh, level. We fight uh, every, every point, but not, not only on, on games, uh, on practice, on every day. No? Uh, for us, as many, um, the most important is to, to be uh, focused uh, in each situation. That being said, this year has been something special. Um, things have really been clicking, and it seems like there has been a bit of a mental shift. What what was it? Well, uh, it's a, a long process, no? Uh, we we talk uh, a lot about the the experience that we had on the past, and we try to to use that that, that those experience uh, to increase our level, uh, mental level. To understand the game, to understand the situations, the the pressure moments, and uh, I'm very happy for him because uh, he had uh, difficult personal moments in the last uh, couple of years, and uh, I'm very proud of him, um, and and I hope uh, to be with him uh, in growing, growing and, and trying to be better uh, in this world. Uh, we love tennis, we love tour and we would like to, to be on the, on the same way uh, next year. If I remember correctly, I believe it was a loss of a parent uh, for him. Uh, his mom, yeah. uh, dead uh, last, last year before Roland Garros. But he's a guy that uh, tried to, to change all those situations uh, to to grow, you know, uh, and uh, the team sometimes is surprised about uh, his uh, his uh, mm, strong uh, heart. Mm. Uh, no, no, um, it's not the. I am not going to stop. I'm going to fight for for my mom, for my problems. Uh, I'm not uh, to say bye bye, and I I fight uh, many years to be here, and, and I would like to to be as 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 today. So it seems like he really appreciates the opportunity that's given to him. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we are we are very humbled, and we know uh, the effort that we did on the past to be here and we are enjoying uh, all, all the process and it's, it's nice to, to watch him on court now winning or losing uh, last uh, Friday against Montfields playing an amazing match and we, we talk uh, that we play for that you know, for, for uh, feel uh, that emotions on tour and yet he doesn't show that emotion on court ever. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's improving and he's showing more uh, than he has in sight. But uh, for sure he's a uh, 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 not noisy person. No, no. And uh, he is uh, like he is. Yep. And... <laughs> We mustn't uh, to change someone. Uh, I think uh, we 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 love him and, uh, in this way. That's not something that uh, too many 
players have, it's so much about that emotional range that younger players have. For him to have that level of consistency is pretty remarkable, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But uh, I think uh, the process helped him to to have this consistent uh, game, no? a mental game. And uh, when when you fight uh, every day to to achieve the goal, uh, some sometimes, no, most of the times, you you value. The, the the situation you keep saying process can you point to me and show uh, tell me a, a, an experience uh, that has been part of the process that was a negative that you were able to turn into a positive yeah yeah for sure uh, we need uh, all the, the experience positive and negative uh, sometimes we we don't uh, want uh, to leave the the bad experience but uh, it's part of the process and um, when you have a positive uh, thoughts uh, you can transform everything and the mind uh, i think is the the one of the most uh, weapon uh, that we have uh, and, and we we talk always on the on the positive language we try <laughs> we try <laughs> I read an article in, in which you said um, he's been able to understand how things work and why not others. Can you explain what that means? He knows that uh, to be on the, on the perfect uh, performance, you have to take care of uh, all the, all the details, uh, practice, rest, um, food, um, travels. Mm, disconnections, uh, everything. Uh, you have to take care with everything to to have uh, that level of, of tour uh, demands everyone. And, uh, I think uh, the the level of the practice uh, has increased during the the last year, and uh, I think helps to him to understand uh, the game that he wants to do on, on court. These conditions in Cincinnati are, are challenging. It's hot, it's humid. Today, you had that opportunity to, to get off court pretty quickly. Yeah. How much of an advantage is that moving forward into the weekend? Uh, maybe I, I will answer you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure about the benefits <laughs> of a stay only one hour, but for sure uh, the the weather is, is very exigent for everyone and if you uh, can stay on court uh, less than, than, than the opposite, I think it's a, a small advantage, but tomorrow uh, the match starts 0-0, no 3-0 for us. You guys seem to have had a very long relationship a very positive one and it's it's often hard to maintain a very long uh, coaching relationship what has been so special about it for the two of you uh, I think the the key of uh, of everything is um, the respect uh, I think um, we try to both uh, to understand uh, the the character of, of each one and uh, we try to to uh, to live together, um, taking care with with this uh, important uh, detail, uh, personal details. And 
we have uh, a, an and a, and a great and a greater relation uh, from many many years, and uh, now we are in a in a mature process, mature process, and uh, trying to 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 take care uh, every every single day, mm. uh, not uh, discussions, uh, always support uh, the the moments good moments bad moments living together i think is not uh, only a process uh, in the in the nice moments uh, i like to be with him uh, in a difficult moments also trying to help him in, in that moment and i think he he makes a, a, a strong uh, relation and uh, for sure uh, helps us uh, to be uh, on tour uh, because it's not easy to to keep this level of uh, personal feeling before i let you go as we said he is so calm on court what's the what's the weird crazy thing that he does off the court that people might not know he's not uh, a crazy man <laughs> uh, he didn't he he doesn't make a big uh, big change uh, outside of of course is a, a, a calm person <laughs> but uh, on the last uh, couple of years uh, he's doing more exciting things like uh, traveling uh, around the world uh, enjoying a little bit more mm. than before and i think that's other other part of the of his development mm. uh, using the 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 moments of outside of tour mm. you know it's yes. not only tennis uh, you have to to live your your life you have to enjoy with your girlfriend with your friends and um, it's time for Roberto person and time for player person but uh, not uh, not uh, many crazy things <laughs> sorry Pepe Vendrell thank you so much for your time greatly appreciate it me too a pleasure it's been a, a delight for me to get to watch this progression for Andy Murray over the last couple of months, and I'm even more thrilled to be sitting down with coach for Andy Murray, Jamie Delgado. Jamie, thank you so much for your time on what's been an incredibly busy week for you guys. Yeah, it's been, um, yeah, for him to get back on the singles court this week was 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 great for us. Um, you know, he's put a lot of work in to get to this stage, so, uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of in, in terms of the singles journey he's been playing doubles obviously for for a little while but in terms of the singles journey it's you know it's step one so it's uh you know it's nice to nice to get off to a start what has this week been like for you personally not to take away the the actual business side the tennis side specifically but what's it been like for you personally in terms of just seeing this progression uh, and and this week I mean, it's been great. I mean, it's been uh, since he had the surgery at the end of January, beginning of February. It's been, you know, it's been kind of seeing him make progress a little bit each week. And, um, you know, even though there's there's still a long way for him to go to, to maximise in singles, there's still a lot of progress that has happened since, you know, he played his first doubles match at Queen's. If, if, if uh, you know, where he is today compared to then is, is a big difference. And, uh, you know, obviously we hopefully we'll see the, the the curve still still increasing and making the progress but it's been no, it was great in um in in the way that there was obviously a lot of doubts at one point whether he would play 
you know, tennis again. Then he's obviously got himself back on the doubles court and, and now on the singles court. So it was, you know, that in itself was a was a big success for him um, and fully deserved with the, the amount of work that he's put in behind the scenes in, in, in the last months. So that was, uh, you know, it's kind of emotional to see him out there as well playing singles again. And like I say, it's just a start. So it's, uh, you know, it's exciting as well. As you were watching the match the other day, how were you balancing expectations um, for him in, in terms of the play versus just that excitement of seeing him out there and wanting him just to compete to just think about the long-term success? Yeah, I mean, in terms of the the expectation of, of, of results or anything like that was 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 none really. Um, I just know how difficult it is to you know to get to that level that those guys are playing at, at the top of the game and and um, and uh, you know Andy's still you know early in that kind of progression since surgery so the outcome focus was was not there I, I was you know one looking for him to enjoy it as much as he could it's something that he's missed a lot um to play singles and, and um and it was a good sort of you know learning day as well for me just to see exactly how he was playing and and, and things to work on things that need to get better um you know obviously there was there was nerves in there for him as well you know, it's uh, even though he's been an amazing player, he still hasn't played lots of tennis and, and competitive tennis, definitely not in singles. And I think to go in and your first match against, I mean, you know, every player in the draw here is, is a you know top 50 player at least, and, and, and Gasquet is one of the most experienced ones. So it's, um, you know, they're tough matches to kind of kick off your, your comeback, if you like. But, you know, there was, there was enough to see there to, you know, to push on from there. Were the improvements you want to see, you talked about some things to work on, were they more on the technical side or more on the, the fitness and just getting two balls a little bit better in, in terms of the footwork? Yeah, I mean, both, okay. to be honest with you. I mean, it's, um, you know, he'll continue to get quicker and stronger um, in the coming months. And, and some of that is, you know, some of that you have to work on outside of the court. And some of it you get through playing matches. You know, he'll... Uh, I think every player, not just him, it, it always improves when they play matches and the speed of the game and, and uh, you know, changing direction. Sometimes that little bit of sharpness comes back just through playing in those situations. It's tough to, you know, even though we try, it can be quite tough to replicate that in, in practice and uh, just that final bit of intensity that, that a match brings. So, And obviously from a tennis perspective as well, it's, it's uh, you know, when you haven't played matches, you, you know, sometimes you've just got to remind yourself of, of uh, you know, good things that you've done well in the past. And sometimes decision making is a bit harder. Sometimes it can feel so simple and, and second nature when you've played loads of matches. But when you haven't, um, you've got to think about it a little bit more. And, and uh, so it's a bit of both. Where's his confidence level? I think it's good. I mean, I think it's, um, you know, I think fully aware that there's 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 a lot of work to do. Um, but again, you know, the the... You know the lack of pain in in the body is a, is a big for the confidence. He recovered well. Uh, next day, if he if he'd have been asked to sort of go again and play, could could have done that. Uh, so that was a a huge positive and a huge plus. Because again, things like that, you don't know exactly how you're going to react. He'd practiced single sets, but he hadn't played you know a full match or anything like that. And the extra tension that brings in, I think the the fact that he could you know that he woke up the next day, that was that was a good sign. The news, obviously, in terms of the scheduling here, deciding not to go the, the doubles route and, and skipping the U.S. Open, playing Winston-Salem with the wild card, potentially the challenger as well, the second week of the Open, and then going to Asia. Can you walk me through why you went that route um, over the next month or two? Well, I think doubles, 
you know, first question was the doubles. I think the doubles has been excellent for him. It was a great uh, starting point for him to play, uh, to get him on the match court earlier and play competitive tennis is uh, a huge plus that will help him, I think, in singles. Um, and I think it's helped him a lot in terms of the, you know, just the, the more the physical side to play doubles as well has been, has, has been really good. Um, but as he's kind of got stronger uh, in the last few weeks and starting now to, you know, touch... Dip his toe into singles again. I think the doubles benefits that you've got are starting to minimalise a little bit, and now we really need to push on with with making improvements, you know, singles-wise. So I think doubles has been fantastic, but I think it's just reached that point now where the benefit he's getting from playing the doubles matches is becoming a little bit smaller. So um, so that's uh, that's why he's going to focus primarily on singles. Ultimately, his goals to, to you know what he's been working hard for and you know dreaming of coming back to it is to play singles. Um, and doubles is always going to be a progression. And then, um, so I think any, you know, if you if you if if you do play doubles in the U.S. Open, even though it's an amazing event, you want to be part of it. It does still take away a bit of time where he could be preparing for singles. And and uh, you know, we've got next year in mind as well to try and get as many singles matches and singles events in. Um, you know, which will keep helping build confidence as well. Um, so we don't really want to give up too many opportunities where he could play uh, a singles event, regardless, you know, if it's a challenger or not. It's uh, they're all still matches, yeah. and um, you know, just to try and build. Is it about um, just getting those matches, or is it also just that knowledge of where you want to be rankings-wise, so that you're able to make sure you play whatever schedule you want in in 2020? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's you know, at this stage, you're still you know trying to get to full fitness and uh, and. Um, of course, you know, helping the ranking to get up there as quickly as possible so that he doesn't need wild cards and stuff like that. That's obviously a, a goal, absolutely. Um, but it's a catch-22. You don't get the wins and you don't get the confidence without being in, in, in the best shape you can be as well. Um, but, you know, I think also, you know, even if he was to drop down into a challenger level, there's still good players there, very physically fit players. Um, so if he, can, if he was to play that and, and come through some matches there, that would do a lot for his confidence as well um, and like I say with each match that he plays if it's a, a tour event or challenger or anywhere he, he'll get a lot of confidence from that Roger Federer after losing to Andre Rublev here in Cincinnati uh, had a, a great quote about what success is to the individual for, for him it might be about getting to world number one winning grand slams for somebody else it might be to be the best human the best success they can be for their person right uh, and I'm wondering how that has changed for Andy now in, in terms of what he would view and what you uh, and the team view as success for him over the next, say, two years. I mean, look, him just being able to just play a singles match here, I, th- I actually don't know, but I don't know how many people have managed to do that um, with the surgery that you had. I'm, I'm fully aware people have done that on the doubles tour, uh, obviously including Andy and Bob Ryan that we know about, maybe others as well, but in singles... You know, we're kind of going into uh, sort of unknown ground a little bit because it just hasn't been done before. So, you know, I don't want to put any uh, results-based uh, goals to, to, to judge that as a success. I mean, you know, he works incredibly hard. He's doing everything he can. And, uh, you know, depending on how well he feels the end is, is how well he'll do. But I think, you know, to get back on the tour and competing with, with, with the, you know, if he's with the best players in the world, that would be a huge success uh, more than maybe anyone's you know foresaw you know months ago where where the, where 
could potentially never play a singles match again. So if if that was to to, to happen, it would be uh, I think it would be more than success. It would be just you know like a, a miracle almost. <laughs> you know, it's uh, you know the way it's viewed from uh, from the outside. But he is feeling good. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll see how far he can go. It's tough, tough to judge exactly what it is outcome-based anyway, apart from doing his best. It, it was fun, I will say, uh, from a fan standpoint to see that feistiness though when, when things weren't going right. Uh, I, I imagine the same for you. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good sign as well. You know, he's, he's starting to, to, to feel it, that, that competitive side to him. And, and, you know, that's what you want as well. You know, is his that competitive spirit. Um, you know, these, these top players have, have got so many skills, you know, physically or, or technically, but, you know, their, their mind and their competitive spirit as well it is what sometimes takes them to that next level. Um, and that's something with Andy, with, with the, you know, the rehab that he's done and, and the determination to, to come back and play well and compete well is, is on his side because he's got something that, you know, is, is very different to what, what a lot of other players have. Jamie Delgado joining us on ATP Tennis Radio. And as I let you go, this has been such a unique circumstance. The idea of this retirement ceremony at the beginning of the year and then suddenly this, oh, maybe not retirement. I'm wondering if you are able to gauge now a little bit better his impact on British tennis in general. Uh, the, the fact that there were, there were these, <laughs> you don't get to go to your own funeral very often, right? So that idea that you had all these people talking about what Andy Murray meant to British tennis and now he's coming back. What's it been like there um, to, to see him come back and what his impact has been? Yeah, I think it's been huge. I think the, you know, the, uh, the response uh, back in January when it was, uh, you know, with, with, with the match that he played and, and, and the, the situation was in there was, was yeah, it was incredible, really. And, and I, think, I think just over the years, uh, he's, people have become, um, uh, what's the right word? I mean, it's, uh, everyone's always known he's been a fantastic player, but just, you know, grown to love him more and more and, and realise that he's a, a great guy as well, not just a great competitor that, that has won the biggest events. And sometimes you don't realise what you have until you, you it's gone, right, or, or, or is missed. So I think it kind of was a bit of a reality check to people that, you know, these things don't last forever, so let's appreciate them when, when, when they're there a little bit. And to get, like, a second chance for him to come back, I think is... Yeah, I think it's been quite emotional for, every, you know, all his fans. And even, I mean, even an event like this, which is far away from home, the amount of players and, and uh, coaches or people that work at the events that just so happy to see him back playing... They know how hard he's worked to try and get to this stage. They know how difficult the situation has been. So I think all of that, as 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 uh, I think even his, you know, his biggest rivals on the tour, the the, the the top players, would love to see him back playing. You know, it's it's something that has kind of captured the imagination a little bit. I think, uh, you know, absolutely back home, but I think worldwide as well. So just a reminder of that exclusive channel that we have. You heard a, a little bit of a selection there, but honestly, there was so much content coming through from Mike that if you go to the exclusive channel, you can pick up on the interviews that also the interviews throughout the year. Now, the next stop for ATP Tennis Radio, I mean, we're with you all day, every day, but in terms of live commentary, will be US Open because we are rebroadcasting US Open Radio. So you're going to hear every day loads of commentaries. You'll hear familiar voices to ATP Tennis Radio and also some new ones 
rounds. And then for us, it will be Shanghai, Paris, Next Gen Finals and World Tour Finals. You can keep up to date with all the other bits and pieces on ATPTour.com. There are many ways that you can find to listen to ATP Tennis Radio. And I will be back in New York when I'm safely there doing a preview podcast to the final major of the year. Now, I might be doing it minutes, moments after I land, so I apologise if I'm slightly jet-lagged through that podcast, but we'll be building you up to the final Grand Slam of the year. So once again, thank you very much for listening. If you would like to rate and review us, then you can do so through your podcast provider. But this has been the ATP Tennis Radio podcast, and we'll be back with you very soon.